This is Gareth Southgate, and this is the Three Lions Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Three Lions Podcast. My name is Russell Osborne. And this is an independent England supporters podcast. Thank you for all the feedback on the previous episodes, despite the last one. Looking back at perhaps a disappointing international break, you did seem, though, to enjoy it. So thank you. Now, over the past year, I've been speaking with England fans about their very first England away game. And it's still something I'd like to continue with going forward to in the next year. So if you'd like to share some memories, please do get in touch. I'll uh, I'll let you know how to do that at the end of the show. But this time, we're speaking with Hugo Malim about his. That's coming up very soon. But first, the World Cup qualifying draw happens on the 7th of December at 5pm UK time. Now, my knees tremble at the thought of a raffle being drawn and me having to make a choice between a bottle of cheap red or a box of chocolate matchmakers let alone the possible destinations I could go to following England. So if you don't know the possibles yet, (laughs) let me try and explain. Now, England are a seeded nation, which means we'll be in pot one alongside Belgium, France, Portugal, Spain, Italy, Croatia, Denmark, Germany and the Netherlands. So we can't be drawn against any of those. And apparently... It's the first time all the supposed stronger nations have been seeded together. Now, there are 55 nations being picked from six different pots, which means that there will be five groups of six and five groups of five once the draw is complete. And European nations will make up 13 spots in the Qatar World Cup, 10 group winners and the other three spots. Well, they're going to be filled by playoff winners and the best two Nations League group winners who do not finish in the top two of their World Cup qualifying group. Get that? (laughs) The 12 playoff teams will be drawn into three separate playoff paths, each of which will compromise a semi-final and a final, with the three winners heading to Qatar. (laughs) It, It is complicated, so here's hoping that we win our group and we don't have to get involved in that. Now, we don't know if we'll be in a five or six nation group, but we do know that all of next year's Nations League finalists will be in a group of five. So that's Belgium, Italy, Spain and France, as those finals will take place over the World Cup qualifying match days of seven and eight in October. I'm guessing that the majority of teams will be hoping for a five nation group, cuts down on costs, etc., But with four of the four already being filled by pot one teams, if my maths is correct, we have a one in six chance of filling that last spot for a five team group. On the plus side, from a supporter's perspective, get a six nation group, more potential places to visit. Obviously, COVID permitting. And on that point, remember the days of hitting Skyscanner straight away? Well, that may just have to wait a while longer. And it's worth pointing out that there are six nations that England have never played before. Serbia, Bosnia and Herzegovina, North Macedonia, Armenia, Faroe Islands and 
Gibraltar. So, who could we be drawn against? We know about pot one and who we can't be drawn against. Pot two, Switzerland, Wales, Poland, Sweden, Austria, Ukraine, Serbia, Turkey, Slovakia and Romania. Still some tough nations in there, all of which would give us a game. And the possibility of going away to the likes of Ukraine, Serbia or Turkey, should we be allowed, all would be quite intimidating. And Turkey, well, that's got history. Uh, Despite last playing them away in 2003, back then no away fans were permitted. So it's been quite a while since we've been to Turkey away. 1993, last time England fans were allowed in there. Personally, I'd be keen for either Serbia or Romania having never been to either. Pot three, Russia, Hungary, Republic of Ireland, Czech Republic, Norway, Northern Ireland, Iceland, Scotland, Greece and Finland. Now, depending on how you look at it, the possibility of three home nations there. Do we want Scotland again? We could play them before the Euros, then in the Euros, then afterwards. Could we go to Iceland again after not being able to go this year? Again, COVID permitting. Tough on this. Uh, personally for me, Hungary or Finland, I think. Pot four, Bosnia and Herzegovina, Slovenia, Montenegro, North Macedonia, Albania, Bulgaria, Israel, Belarus, Georgia, Luxembourg. And you'd hope that any of these nations would be beatable home or away. Uh, There, of course, was the incident with Bulgaria before, so I can't imagine they'll be high on anyone's list, footballing-wise. Israel would be interesting. And despite playing them away once since 1983, Luxembourg uh, would be an excuse for many newspapers to bring up previous negative England stories. So it might be good to go there and show them we can behave like we did in Kosovo. And can I get a midnight train to Georgia? Now, I went to Kosovo via Albania last year. I must say I liked what I saw. And I saw their new stadium, which was just about to host its first game. Uh, I'd be happy to go back there again, if I'm honest. Pot five, Armenia, Cyprus, Faroe Islands, Azerbaijan, Estonia, Kazakhstan, Kosovo, Lithuania, Latvia, Andorra. Now, three of those nations that we've never played feature in this group, so a high possibility of one of those. Although looking at them, I'm now thinking of costs to get to each of them. And Kazakhstan is one of the nations where our name comes up with a little asterisk by it, because they come under the excessive travel category, where a maximum of one pair of teams from a particular group can be drawn together. For example, one of the other groups, Azerbaijan, can only be drawn with one of Iceland, Gibraltar and Portugal. But where it concerns us, Kazakhstan can only be drawn with one of Andorra, England, Faroe Islands, France, Gibraltar, Iceland, Malta, Northern Ireland, Portugal, Republic of Ireland, Scotland, Spain and Wales. So our chances of being drawn against them, I guess, is slim. Shame though, as I I didn't get to go last time. And when you consider that most of Kazakhstan lies in Asia, if you think about the Ural Mountains, and it borders a fair few other stans, I'm not even going to try and pronounce, China too, 
I don't know why they aren't in the Asian qualifying group. But Azerbaijan looks interesting, and they hosted the Europa League final a few years back. Plus, they're a Euro host nation as well, aren't they? Now, the last pot is pot six. Malta, Moldova, Liechtenstein, Gibraltar, San Marino. Please, not San Marino again. Uh, Obviously, the lower you go down the pots, the smaller the potential grounds get and the lesser allocation of tickets for away supporters becomes. We're talking top cappers and ballots now. Gibraltar would excite many. I know that they were looking at building a new national stadium, but I don't think that's done. I don't even think a spade has hit the ground yet, actually. But having been to their current national ground, it is a small one, and it's right next to the runway, in fact. Now, in the past, they have played elsewhere. Initially, they played in the Algarve in Portugal. Uh, But more recently, home games to the Republic of Ireland and Denmark were played at the home Victoria Stadium. So, who knows? Although, having experienced an aborted landing going towards that big rock, I know where I'd rather be going. So, there are our possibilities. What would be the best draw? If we were to consider FIFA rankings, the best draw although not the most exciting, would be Romania, Finland, Luxembourg, Andorra and San Marino. Again, taking in FIFA rankings, the worst draw, the higher ranked nations, would be Switzerland, Russia, Bosnia and Herzegovina, Cyprus and Moldova. I think we could qualify from that group. And then I thought, what about the most expensive from a supporter's perspective? You've got to include the Scandinavian options and and any flight costs across all of those nations. So maybe Sweden, Finland, Israel, Kazakhstan, Malta, and then I guess the cheapest one. You've got to look local, haven't you? Wales, Scotland, Luxembourg, Andorra and San Marino. All fairly easy to get to. We shall wait and see. As I say, the draw is December the 7th at 5pm and we'll have a look back on that draw and see, see how close we got. Now you may remember our European Championships look back from earlier in the year. The one that was supposed to conveniently lead up to the start of the tournament. Anyway, the last in that series was a chat with Hugo Malim, who told us about Euro 2016. Well, I'm delighted to say he's returned with memories of his first England away game. I'd like to welcome back to the Three Lions podcast, Hugo Malim. Hello, Hugo. Hey, how are you, Russell? I'm very well, thank you. We spoke previously about your Euro 2016 experience, but this time we're looking back at your first England away game. Yeah, so 10 years ago, September 2010, yes. in Brazil, Switzerland. Yeah. Ah, this was a Euro 2012 qualifier, wasn't it? Correct, correct. One thing that immediately comes to my mind with this one, and just from personal um, recollection, this was about seven or eight days before I actually got married, this particular game, and I was allowed to go on an away game. <laughs> oh, nice, nice. I mean, the, the only thing, though, you were not spoilt with the weather, for sure. No, that is that is correct. It, it was rather a wet one, wasn't it? Yeah, definitely. Terrible weather for, like... I was there for three days. I mean, three days. I mean, yeah, two, two, three days. And it was just dreadful weather for the whole stay. When we spoke about your 
uh, Euro 2016 experience. You were living in France at the time. Were you, were you in France back in 2010? Correct, correct. So I took the train direct from Paris to Basel. And I think the journey is something like two hours, a bit more than two hours. It's really quick. So you leave from um, the station, which is Gare de l'Est, which is not too far from the infamous Gare du Nord station, oh, yeah. but it's day and light compared to, to Gare du Nord station. It's much nicer. The neighborhood is, is nice as well. And already, one thing that you notice when you are a newbie on the England scene is the amount of England supporters, you know, on the train, which I didn't expect at all. You know what I mean? Because I was in, in Paris. I thought there'll be just me and and just, you know, people going to Switzerland because the game was not a weekend game. It was a, a weekday game. I think it was a Tuesday or Wednesday. Yeah. Tuesday. So Tuesday. Correct. So I'm boarding the train on a Monday, I think lunch, lunchtime. And it's full of England supporters. You know, the, the bar on the train was just full of England supporters and we just, you know, ran the place dry. Uh, actually the woman, the woman at the bar at the end said she never experienced anything like this. And she gave me a little bottle of, um, Rosé champagne at the end to thank me. Not very nice. She to thank me. She's like, okay, thank you. Uh, but yeah, she and apparently she was a bit embarrassed because the train was actually doing Paris, Basel, Geneva, or Zurich. I think no Zurich. Mm. And she said to me, she won't be able to serve any more alcohol because she had no more. You know, so uh, <laughs> so that's the first thing that shocked me. You know, just I knew I was, you know, I knew there was going to be some England fans, but not so many already uh, on that on that train. Well, I think that is is one of those things that, as as England fans, we'll always try and find, okay, possibly the cheapest way, but alternative ways to get to games and grounds rather than going direct. Yeah, yeah, and I think that one, especially if you are in in and around London, and if you if you want to go to Switzerland or, or country, you know, countries around, you know, like this, Paris is definitely a good option rather than flying. Yeah, or, or even drive if you can. I guess so. I guess just just a Eurostar to to Paris and onwards. Then yeah, because you can walk. As I said, you can, from from the Eurostar terminal in Paris, you can walk to that train station, and then uh, off you go to to Basel. If we play Luxembourg, same thing. One day, if we do that, same thing. <laughs> if it's it's been quite a while since we uh, since we played Luxembourg, but yeah, one day. <laughs> one day, yeah. <laughs> so yes, that that first game, Switzerland. Uh, one England three was the was the result. Uh, so it's St Jacob Park, um, which I thought was quite a a, a tidy little ground. I, admittedly, I'd been there before to watch a a Basel game with a friend of mine who was living in Switzerland at the time. Uh, but I thought I think it's a quite smart little ground. Yeah, um, yeah, I think it's uh, again we talked we talked about it in during the last podcast. It's um, one of those as I call them English style football grounds. You know what I mean? So four four stands. And I really enjoyed, I thought the atmosphere in the ground was fantastic for, for the England supporters throughout the game with non-stop chanting from 90 minutes. The only thing, though, because we played them again in 2014, yes. I suspect that game, they, ov- they oversold the away end because I arrived just before uh, the national anthems and I couldn't find anywhere to, to seat, even though you don't sit, you know, in the away end. But, you know, I had to stay on that till concrete bits you know where you're not supposed to be normally because in 2014 they wouldn't let anyone be there by the by the infamous fences uh it was i think they oversold a little bit which is fine i don't mind but it was it was really really packed that night so where where were you standing what right sort of behind the goal or 
behind the goal, yes, yeah, so a lower tier behind the goal. And if you look at the video on YouTube, it would be on the uh, sorry, because I have to uh, uh, on the left hand side. Uh, so it's if so the left hand side of the goal behind it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so that makes I, sense. I was I was on the right hand side on on the lower tier in the corner. I think if I remember correctly. Um, but yeah, it's, oh, you say about these grounds sort of very english like and yes that is but on the outside i seem to remember it had like a shopping center underneath yes that's that's correct there's a shopping center and it's there was something about it um there was something like all this it was a bit strange there was something <laughs> they were selling beer and sausages i don't know why it, it i still remember it it was really strange like you you're buying a beer and they were giving you like the sort of a, you know that sort of a deal if you buy your beer, you get a sausage, so like a hot dog or something. Yeah, so I, I, I don't. I just remember that from from that from those stands. But yeah, I, I agree with you. So it's sort of a um, it'd be like the the ground in Oslo. It's like a shopping center slash stadium. Yeah, I, I wonder if these shopping centers are open whilst the game is on, because that just must be carnage. If you're going there for your local or your weekly shop at the equivalent of Tesco or whatever, and and there's a game going on at a time, just must be chaos to well the only thing i can compare it with is stade de france in in you know outside of paris and they do open the um, you know the local tesco as you call it um, yeah. during match day so it's a bit strange yeah for the locals because they go and <laughs> and buy their fruits and, and and meat and then you've got all the spores buying their beers so it's a bit <laughs> strange but it's open yeah digress a little there um yeah <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to remember back because having been to to Basel a few times, I remember there's there's an English pub, and was it called Pick Pickwicks? Pickwick. I think Pickwicks, yeah, Pickwicks, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, I, yeah, I went to another one. Uh, I went to the Lord Nelson, which I know is bad, and I, since then I just cringe so much. I, I always try not to go to Irish pubs or English pubs, you know, when I'm abroad. Mm. But it was. A, it was really expensive. So I understand completely why people were drinking on the streets, which I did I'll admit yeah. it in 2014. But what I noticed again, it was there was no locals whatsoever. It was just English everywhere. So in that pub, but on the streets, in the local cafes, in all the hotels, in the parks, everywhere. Um, which is a very strange experience because when you travel, you know, you see local people doing their own thing. Yeah. There they had seemed to just have I wouldn't say disappear, but just change their habits to let us do whatever we wanted to do. So on the Monday night when I went for a beer and I met all these fans from different clubs and different cities around the UK, there was just no one there except us and the girl serving us. It was just really strange because when you do go out on a Monday night in another city, you'll find people just, you know, having a drink. Mm. There it was just, I don't know, for me it was just a, a new experience. Like, I don't know, I never, I never experienced anything like this before following England, you know, 2,000, 3,000 supporters can just invade a city for three days. Yeah. So were you, your, your first England away game, were you on your own? Yeah. So what happened was I went to the World Cup in Cape Town with a French friend. We stayed there for 10 days, 10, a bit more than 10 days. Mm. And I, I saw, so I saw France, Uruguay, nil-nil, and then England, Algeria, nil-nil. <laughs> so great trip, <laughs> football-wise. Um, and then, after that, I just really wanted to follow England away. I just thought, oh, I'm just, I'm, I, despite the football, I'm loving it. But I couldn't find anyone who would be crazy enough to do it. So I just thought, I'm just going to go, and I'm surely I'm going to meet people along the way. And that's how I did it. 
So did you find that people were approachable? Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. After definitely. a few beers. Actually, yeah, actually, I met some Brentford fans and they were just like, yeah, don't stay on your own. Come and join us. Have a beer with us. That's how it happens, really. Just a lot of people just say to you, look, I was like you. I started on my own. And now I'm friends with XYZ for the past 10, 12 years. Don't stay on your own. Come and join us. Mm. Yeah, no, it's, it's great. Yeah. It's such a common, common theme when, when going on a, uh, an England away trip. Yeah, exactly. I didn't, I didn't see any hostility really uh, on that trip for sure. Uh, and then when we did actually encounter some Swiss fans, which didn't happen, as I say, until we arrived at the ground, again, same thing, which that surprised me as well, because unfortunately the press gives you the impression that the local population and the you know, local fans are not going to like you. And it's not the case. Local fans quite like England supporters and English football. So they were all very friendly. There was no no trouble at all. Yeah, no, that's, that's good to hear. I, I know that um, Swiss football can have its have its trouble like, like many other nations do. But you're right. I mean, there very little trouble that I remember from this particular game. Uh, I mean, the game... But I don't think it was anything spectacular. Rooney scored, didn't he? Um, Adam Johnson um, and Darren Bent. Um, and and Shakiri, who who's now at Liverpool, isn't he? Or, or I think he's on his way out of Liverpool, scored for the Swiss um, in the game. Yeah, I just saw the highlights this afternoon. There was a red card, which I completely forgot about. Uh, I think it was harsh. I just Because it was raining and the, and the pitch was, you know, uh, what it was. I think the red card was really harsh. What I do remember is that we played really well, especially Steven Gerrard played really well. Bearing in mind after the World Cup that we had, I thought we played well. Also bearing in mind that Switzerland was the best team in that group. Yes, Wales were in, that, were in our group in 2012, but we're not the Wales of today and the Wales no. of, let's say, 2016. Bulgaria were terrible, as they unfortunately are. Um, <laughs> no offence, I know you, a lot of people from Bulgaria listen to the podcast. Uh, and who else? And uh, Montenegro were Montenegro were probably a bit better than they are now. But yeah, so we beat Switzerland, who were probably um, our rival in the group. And I thought we we did we played really well uh, again in a very good atmosphere, uh, but under torrential rain, which <laughs> is never very nice. I mean, you mentioned the the atmosphere, and I, I do remember the the Swiss having a. They were all given their flags to wave and I seem to remember when the when the team came out the whole ground was awash with with all Swiss flags but an England or a section of England fans yeah. making themselves heard down the front in a uh, in a quite different way weren't they yeah definitely yeah yeah we've heard you mean the ones jumping on the fence jumping on the fence rattlers yes yeah, the, yeah, the the, uh, the fence rattlers yeah it, it especially happened to be to be fair when we scored uh, as far as I remember, so some people might have to correct me on that one, but what I do remember is that people were jumping on the fence when we scored, every time England scored. And the, the Stuarts didn't really care, to be honest. They didn't say anything, because I, at some point, I think it was when we scored the third one, I personally, I'm not going to lie, I tried to jump on the fence, <laughs> but I had a bit too much to drink, so I gave up. Right. Um, and so what happened... After the game, someone decided to make a flag called the fence and put on the flag fence rattling ultras to create a little group, you know, as a tongue in cheek sort of yeah. joke. Nothing, nothing, you know, nothing sinister about it. No. I saw the flag a couple of times, actually, um, 
at Wembley. And then what happened was, it was it's super strange. The article is still online from the Daily Mail. There was a bit of, I wouldn't say trouble. It was just some people being a bit drunk in Copenhagen, throwing beer, which happens, as you know, from time to time. It happened in, in Turin. It happens in Germany. So the Daily Mail wrote an article saying there was a new group of hooligans running around havoc in Europe called the Fence Rattling Ultras. <laughs> and the FA was looking into it. So I guess the poor lad who created you know, the whole thing, you know, the whole Twitter account and the flag, etc., got into tr- trouble for something that was just, you know, a bit of a joke, nothing, you know, nothing bad. But anyway, because, <laughs> <laughs> again, like I remember very well the security at the stadium didn't care at all. They just didn't mind. But mm. again, in 2014, when we went back there, there was no more messing about with the fence. Yeah. I, I imagine it's something that they, the, the Swiss authorities, probably encountered on a uh, on a fairly regular basis in, in league games. Yeah, because they've got ultras in in Basel for sure. Because I've seen videos of them when they played, I think in in Liverpool. Um, mm. So yeah, they've got ultras, so they're used to it. We we were we were nothing compared to their ultras for sure. Yeah, I think it was just a, uh, as you say, a few a few younger lads who'd had a, uh, a few drinks uh, throughout the day. Yeah, exactly. I mean, generally, I mean, we've seen worse with England. It wasn't, it wasn't anything too bad. But yeah, listen, it got it got blown out of proportion, and the FA had to had to do something. I understand, but yeah, it was a, <laughs> it wasn't. It definitely wasn't a, a firm of hooligans who were you know running around Copenhagen beating up people because I was in Copenhagen and nothing happened there. Yeah. I mean, as as we were chatting before we we hit the record button, there was as you say, like. Two two and a half thousand England fans descended on the city, um, and and you mentioned that the was it the the local politician made a uh, a a big deal of it. No, so what happened was I don't know if you remember um, because because Switzerland is what it is to have a drink there is quite expensive. So uh, I think a pint is something like nine euros, nine ten euros, if I remember correctly. Right. Someone has someone will have to check. On that one, anyway. So it's quite expensive. I remember it, it cost me quite. It was quite budget, you know, for the week for the for the two days. Anyway, yeah. so a lot of people decided to drink on the streets, which was allowed. Another thing that did shock me is that there was very little police in Basel, as far as I remember. Like I didn't see much police walking around, so people were just drinking on the streets. And so what happened is that the local population complained about the noise, complained about how dirty the streets were, um, you know, after the game because a lot. Of cans of beer and bottle of beer were left around so they complained and they asked for future england games or future big international games not to be played in basel and so what happened is the mayor of basel wrote an open letter to respond to the criticism because apparently it was quite quite harsh and so he posted the budget so how much it had cost the city to host the game yeah and then he also posted the income that the game generated for the two three days and it was just nowhere, the income was nowhere near what it costs. So that's why, you know, the, the, the criticism just stopped after that. And then, as, I, as I've been saying a few times now, we, we came back in 2014. Yeah. And, and again, it, it must happen week in, week out with the, uh, with the Swiss League when, when opposition teams come to the city. Um, they must have, okay, perhaps not so much litter around and, and beer cans uh, because they'll be used to paying what they'd regularly pay in pubs and, and drink inside. But uh, yeah, I, I can't imagine that that gained much momentum. Yeah. I think, I think what is Russell to, to be, to be, I don't, I, I've never been to a Swiss 
I don't know what the the league is called in Switzerland. So let's say Premier League mm. Swiss game. I don't know what it's like, but I think what shocked the locals, if I understand correctly, is to have the whole city because that's what I remember from it. From nine in the morning, from the you know the, the train station, there was a square there from the train station. When yes. you arrive, there's this massive square all the way to the main street where you mentioned there is all the pubs with that English pub, Mr. Pickwick, where it's yeah. called, full of football supporters just drinking there. I think that's what shocked the, 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 the locals, really. And also, I remember in my hotel, the, the woman who was running it told me that some England fans had trashed um, their rooms. So oh, some right. people do, unfortunately, misbehave. It's no longer the misbehavior of the 80s and the 90s, right? But it's still... I call it the stag do misbehavior. You know what I mean? So mm. people, it's a bit strange, right? It's related to football, but it's more antisocial behavior. So I think that's what shocked the local population. They didn't expect that. They thought it was going to be, you know, probably fans coming, having a drink and then go to the stadium, go to bars and having a drink where this was really people just, you know, drinking on the streets from 9 a.m. to quite late at night yeah. um i don't think they were expecting that at all and so uh, yeah and they didn't realize that yes it, it was a bit of a nuisance for a day especially the match day because as i said on the monday night it wasn't that bad but at the end of the day the money that we brought in for the city is you know nowhere near the nuisance they experienced on the day and as i said there was no trouble there was no fighting there was no um i don't know major incident apart yeah. from yeah, people being a bit silly. Yeah. So that that was your your first game, and, and was that the first of many? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I was a member for actively six years, and then I renewed uh, after the Euros to do a couple of games, but actively, yeah, for for six years. So travelling from Paris to wherever England was playing, and then doing the home games. So a, a nice little hub to have Paris because you can get to to various places, as you say, within that sort of area of Europe. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, the, the main thing I noticed when I was reading the message board, you know, that the FA had was that I was not affected by, you know, flight being, you know, really expensive because for me, it didn't change anything. When the games were announced, Air France or whoever would not, you know, increase the prices. So that was that was OK for me. It was, yeah, we were not affected. And also, as I said, I could also use trains rather than flying for certain countries. So that was pretty good. As a perhaps a, a England fan listening to to this who hasn't been on an away game yet, but is thinking, oh yeah, once once we're allowed to, because we're, we're speaking at the moment whilst we're we're still in a uh, a period of limbo, not knowing when we're going to be able to go to games again. But what what would you recommend to to someone who's thinking, yes, I'd like to go to my first England away game? Wow, <laughs> <laughs> what would I recommend? Uh, well, do I know it sounds stupid, but like, do you do your homework? Because my mistake for that Swiss game, I didn't do my homework. Uh, I know it sounds stupid. So I had booked obviously the trains, but in terms of, of hotels and all that, I hadn't done my my homeworks properly. So, yeah, do your homeworks. Um, that's the first thing. My second one is to try and enjoy the city, visit it, like just you know maybe half a day, but try and, and you know walk around the city, try and you know experience it. Because my first few away games were mostly on the beer, and that was a bit sad, to be honest. But perhaps people need to yeah. they, 
they hear that that's what England is like, and perhaps they need to do that just to get it out of their system before realizing actually there's there's other things that we can do. Exactly, exactly. What else? Um, yeah, no. And I think as well, it's, I'm saying it because it's been it's been said so many times on different social media platform and message board is don't try and necessarily gather where all the England fans are. You know, the, the, the infamous, where are we all drinking? Where are we all staying? You know, these questions that pop up all the time. There's going to be England fans everywhere. So just try and find a little spot that is nice, uh, more than gather in big groups somewhere. That's my advice, really. That's, you know, the, the best away trips I've, I've done is, is really where we found a little spot, really, uh, and locals would walk in and, you know, that's, that's the best ones. And these are with England fans that you've met since that first day, is it? Well, to be honest, not really, no. So I met some England fans during the, the game in Basel. We did bump into each other at, at a later stage, but the, the ones I'm still friends with were actually much later was in, in Sofia um, oh. in 2011. Yeah, so that was, uh, that was another trip, but... Um, yeah, Basel was uh, was the first one. It was, uh, it was, uh, yeah. And again, that, that's another thing that I think you've mentioned it. So I, I'm not going to dwell on it too much. But also keep your rivalries at home because when you're going to follow, you know, uh, England abroad, uh, we're all on the same boat anyway. You're going to meet people from all over the country, even people that are not English, as you've 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 touched upon on, on different episodes. So there's no point, you know, coming up to someone and say, "Hey, I support X." useful why we're not we're not going to be you know we're going to be rival we're going to have a punch up you know it's a bit silly yeah no i thoroughly agree that's it's it's one of the strange yeah. things that does that does follow england away is is a club rivalry and i think we can i think we can put that aside for for two or three days if if we are we all want to get along and, and it is again just that little minority yeah no, exactly but you know exactly so for someone that is, that is new with england i would i would recommend to to stay you know open-minded because uh, most people don't really leave the football rivalry aside when they travel with England. And, and there's a last one I would say, uh, but that's more because of me having lived abroad and I've noticed it with, with Paris Saint-Germain having English and British teams playing in Paris and had British supporters coming into my neighbourhood is try and be careful sometimes uh, and be mindful of the locals. So that could be a bit uh, strange for me saying that when I went to Basel and I was a bit, you know, on the beers for two days. But, you know, you never know because you might be with your mates, you know, some of the new bees that want to join England might travel with their friends and that's fine. But you never know what could happen. You could, you know, have one beer too many or one shot too many, lose your friends and be in a city you don't know. You don't know the language. You don't know where you are and you're lost. And that can be very scary. You know what I mean? So that would be my advice to you know, someone who wants to join England, the England scene and wants to travel the world, uh, just, yeah, just be a bit mindful because, you know, chanting 10 German bombers on your own at one in the morning, yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe yeah, not yeah. a good idea. Yeah, very, very sensible, <laughs> sensible advice. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it was a good first trip, especially the fact that we won. I always feel bad for those that, you know, their first away with England was a defeat or worse, and like yeah. a nil-nil draw when nothing happened i was lucky it was a win it was a great atmosphere and it was it was great yeah excellent hugo thank you very much for, for no taking problem. the time to uh, to tell us about it no problem pleasure russell
As always, great to speak with Hugo. Thank you for his time there. And I've got another chat with a supporter coming up before Christmas. Thank you for listening. Always appreciated. And as I alluded to at the top of the show, you can get involved. Just drop me a line on Twitter, Facebook, just search Three Lions Podcast, uh, or email threelionspodcast at gmail.com and we'll go about setting something up. As I also mentioned, the World Cup draw is coming up December the 7th at 5pm and I'll be back with an episode shortly after that with some reaction to it. So please do stay subscribed. Fingers crossed, it's a decent draw. Until then, take care, look out for each other. Lockdown nearly over in England and we move into this tiered system. (laughs) Next thing you know, we'll be allowed back into grounds. Cheers. Cheers.